everyone and welcome back to the does it hold up podcast with myself adam and emily and today if y'all didn't get it from the beginning i'm sure you did because we are not toys but we are going back to 1995 and pixar yes that pixar's very first feature film and the very first computer completely computer generized Generized? That's not a word. It's generated. A computer generated. Thank you. Computer generated <laughs> film, and that is the very first Toy Story, the the movie that set out a franchise and traumatized kids thinking that their toys were real when they weren't in the room. The movie that started it all for Pixar. Started it all. I mean, this is this is the movie that had Disney go. Hmm, you make too good of things. Maybe we should buy you. It was the first movie to go, what if this inanimate object had feelings? No, 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 no. That would be The Brave Little Toaster did it way before Toy Story. Don't worry, we will eventually get to that movie because it's one of my all-time favorites. It popularized it. Brave Little Toaster was very popular when it came out. It just didn't spawn a franchise because Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars was absolute garbage. Okay. It tried. It really tried. Anyway, back to the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Although I could talk about the Brave Little Toaster all Save day. Save it for another time. All right. Well, you started it. All right. So, again, we're talking about Toy Story today. Did you know Toy Story was nominated for three Oscars? I did not, though I'm not entirely surprised. Do you know how many it won? Because remember... There was no Best Animated Feature back in 1995. That category didn't exist. So it was nominated for three. How many did it win? What? Zero. Oh. Zero. His movie won zero of the three Oscars. The three Oscars it was nominated for were the Best Screenplay. Nah, fine. Yeah. Best Original Song. I mean, you've got a friend of me's a banger. That is fair. Uh, I Andy can't Newman. help but sing that every time it's on. Exactly. So I, I totally get that one. And then best score. Uh, again, wonderful score. Yeah. Wonderful score. But it didn't win. But it was a brand new thing in the world that hadn't really been done before. So even for it to get nominated just shows the respect that Hollywood and the audience and everything had for that movie. And yeah. still have for that movie. So... You know, just, just interesting, because, um, you know, fun fact, since we're, we're talking about the Oscars, just another fun fact about them, it, it, this was the first movie in Oscars history, first animated movie in Oscars history to be nominated for Best Screenplay. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's changed. It's happened oh, since. Yeah. <laughs> but this was the first. I mean, it literally changed the way filmmaking was done. This... Computer generated, not generized, generated <laughs> film changed movie landscape forever. Whether good or bad doesn't matter forever. That's just impressive, no? Oh, definitely impressive. It paved the way for so many new avenues for the animated world. It created, it made things possible that were never possible before or would have taken just a million years before. 
I mean, agreed. Uh, 100%. So, you know, before we really start breaking down this movie, what, what, what can hold up, what does hold up, what doesn't, all, all that good stuff, um, you know, just give me your, give me your overall thoughts on the movie as a, as a whole. What do, what do you, what do you think? I hate to disappoint. I've actually never liked the, these movies. I've always had... Wait, wait, like these movies? Or movie? Are you saying you don't like any of the Toy Story movies? I can appreciate them. No, I no, think... no, that's not the question. Yeah. Are you saying you don't like any of the Toy Story movies? Not one, two, three, or even four. I'm saying that because I just can't get into the characters. All right, well, you're dead to me now. Uh, <laughs> I, so from now on, I will be doing this podcast entirely by myself. I, that's that's insane. I understand not liking the like first I said, one. I appreciate them. They're very good movies. I just partic- personally don't care for them, and that's mainly because of, I think, Woody. He is my biggest problem of all of them, and I just have never been able to back him and like him as a protagonist, so therefore the movies are just... <laughs> okay, that's... What about you? I assume you like them. I do not like Toy Story 1. Um, I respect it, and I understand... I mean, I, I was a kid when it came out. I was nine when this movie came out in theaters, and I saw it. And I loved it, because I was stupid. I was nine. I have no idea what I was talking about or doing. I was like, ooh, toys, awesome. Went home, played with my toys, and I was like, do you come alive? I will say that that did definitely happen to yeah. me. <laughs> and I was like, I just set it there, and then like I peek through my door and be like, hey, did you move yet? Okay, uh, close the door, open it again real quick. Are they moved? Did they move? Like, See, now I on. had to make sure I had a rotation of who got to sleep in the bed with me, just to it, make sure. See, so whether you like the movie or not, it changed your life. <laughs> it had an impact, I'll say that. So, you know, I, I, I was that age, it was it was that movie, um, but it, it, I didn't really like it later in life as I watched it more and more times, as, you know. Not not a huge fan. I don't like the second one either. Uh, it's it's okay. I I definitely don't like the third one. Uh, you know, blasphemous to most people. And, yeah. You know, drop into the you know, come onto our Twitter at Does It Hold Up Thirteen and tell me all about how I'm wrong. That Toy Story Three is a brilliant movie and it's one of the best things ever made. But I am a big fan of Toy Story Four. But I understand that we only got to four because of everything that came before. So it's like that respect. To get where we had to get to. Yeah. The series overall has a wonderful like storyline. They grow throughout every film. It's great. I just... I've never been the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, Toy Story was directed by John Lasseter. Uh, we're not going to talk about John Lasseter all that much. Uh, if you don't know, you can Google it. That That's not the stuff that we get into here. Um, he doesn't work for Pixar anymore or Disney. Uh, I'll let you find that out on your own as to why. Ooh. Not, not, not that kind of podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think he did, a, he did a great job. It must've been a little hard. I mean, you're not working with anything in particular. It's, it's a bunch of guys sitting at a computer going type, 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 type. I mean, you can only do so much, but, and I don't think his, his touch is really on it that much. It's always really hard to talk about directing when it comes to animation because there's so much that it's just like, what did you fully do? You're the overall director of the film. You you verify the 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 screenplay. You 
overcheck everything. You you work with the actors. You do all that. But at the same time, there's there's art directors. There's voice directors. There's there's these other kind of directors that really that's where I think a lot yeah. of the play like comes Like you have in. an overall vision, but <clears throat> without these other parts, you're just you're kind of dead in the water. Exactly. So. I think he was fine, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. We're not going to talk about the directing because there's not much to talk about. Um, but one of the things I do want to get into is the voice acting. Because, you know, it, you have Tom Hanks as Woody the Cowboy. And you have Tim Allen, of all people, as Buzz Lightyear. I thought he did fantastic. You... I know, I get that. Th- for but did to... you know who Tim Allen was? Yeah, actually, I did. You did? Okay. How did you, <laughs> who, how did you know who Tim Allen was before you saw Toy Story? Tim the Toolman Taylor. So you, you're telling me you watched <laughs> Home Improvement yeah. before Toy Story? Yeah. Okay. So you, okay. <laughs> well, you are outside the norm uh, because that's... I, I would have expected him to make that noise that... Noise! I can't even. <laughs> yeah, that noise. Yep. Um, so for to hear to know that it was him in that role, and to not really hear Tim the Toolman Taylor in it was actually amazing although, for me. Although it's really funny because when they're in Sid's room and Woody's underneath the milk crate, and the toolbox is on it, it's a Binford toolbox. It says <laughs> Binford on it, and you know, as a kid, you're like, eh, I don't know. That's a Watching nice it as an adult, though, you're like. <laughs> That's the company he worked for on Home Improvement. Ha, nice, nice. I like that. I don't know who got the rights for that or how they did that, but it's it, it's It was fun. probably just Tim being like, it, just, it, just, just put it, it in there. Whatever. I'll, I'll deal with it later. <laughs> um, but for me, it's more or less like Tom Hanks is a huge actor by 1995. He's been in, you know, he just won the Oscar in 1994 for Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Best Picture. It's He is so well known, but not for his voice. He's a great actor, but not for his voice. Like, nobody sits there and goes, oh, my God, Tom Hanks' voice is so good. We got to put him in all these voiceover things. And Toy Story was like, nah, it's cool. Get him. We like it. Get him. And he did fantastic. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a little, he's a I mean, little annoying, but like, that's more the character. But that's the character, because you see him in several other films, especially, you know, later on in his career, where he had to do all these types of accents, and he really got into the role by using his voice. So I thought this kind of really sparked that in him. Well, I mean, not really fully, because Forrest Gump, he had to do the voice, too. So, the, how he does the voice in yeah. Forrest Gump? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he talks in Forrest Gump. Yeah, he does. He, he talks. I get he it. Has he the, has a voice in Forrest Gump. It makes sense. Yeah, that the the specific way he talks in Forrest Gump. I'm not even gonna try to do that yeah, one because we all know that's not good. But I I just think he melds into the role really well with his voice. I, yeah, I mean, agreed, agreed. He's I mean, he's a great actor. Of course, he was gonna pull it off. It's just interesting, like, to go that route. And then with Tim Allen is like. Who are you? <laughs> why are you? Why are you this astronaut, spaceman, ranger? But they embodied those characters so well. Like you could not really see those characters as as having any other voice after having those actors portray them, which is kind of why it was an issue for Lightyear not having. Oh yeah, if you guys didn't Tom know, Hanks, um, or not Tom Hanks. Ugh. <laughs> if you haven't paid attention uh, to the first two episodes of this podcast. We, we always have a reason for why we pick certain movies that we do. Uh, we're doing Toy Story this week because Lightyear just came out and bombed at the box office 
last weekend, so we thought we'd go all the way back to what started it and was an actual box office success. Yeah. Didn't fail. Didn't didn't have didn't have good feet right out the gate. Like it stumbled a little, but then it took off. Word, Word of, mouth. of mouth just yeah. just spread it. Um, I don't so, think Lightyear's gonna get that though. No, probably not. Anyway, but anyway. <laughs> um, so no, it's just for me, it's interesting because you 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 go to animated films now, and you've you've watched Disney do it for years. But when you get in like these big, you get a lot of big high profile people in animated things. But this is where it started. Before Toy Story, you weren't getting big A-list actors, really, to come in and do voice work. You had specific artists who are known as voiceover artists to come and do these things. And Pixar was like, that won't sell a movie. Yeah. We need we need a name attached to it. And that's just interesting to me because it could have gone so, so poorly. Oh, yeah. And yet, somehow, they picked these two random dudes who you never would think would be voiceover artists... And gave them two of the most iconic animated characters. Oh yeah, specifically ever. Tim Allen because he was known for doing that wacky voice with you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Have to say the full thing every time. So like that was critical to his, his success in that show, and to then give him this role as a space ranger, where you have to be quite dynamic. Dynamic, yes. And and a little otherworldly and for him to just knock it out of the park that the voice acting holds up 100% for me yeah and then and then to go in and pull people like you know obviously Tom Hanks and Tim Allen they're the two known for this but mm-hmm. and they and they were fantastic but when you go and get people like Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head like I'm sorry <laughs> it's he is the epitome of Mr. Potato Head like I can't That's ever snark. hear anyone else be Mr. Potato Head and then you get, you know, Wallace Shawn is Rex. You got you don't recognize that name, but if I said the word inconceivable to you, <laughs> you would probably know exactly who that is. Inconceivable. He plays Rex. Uh, you get Jim Varney as Slinky Dog. John Ratzenberger, who's been in everything Pixar since, is the voice of Ham, is there good the luck pig. Charm? And everybody knows him from Cheers. Yeah. He, he was... On Cheers, that's 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 all we know. He didn't really do a lot of big things outside of that, and then he became Pixar's good luck charm. Who would have thought? You have Annie Potts as Bo Peep. I know she doesn't get a big role in this first one, but you'll know her as uh, the secretary for Ghostbusters. Ah, Annie Potts. So like these are these are actors that people knew in 1995, and they were like, "Hey, speak into a microphone." Oh, do you want me to act? No, no, no. Just speak into the microphone. I mean, like, act with your voice, but like, don't don't move your body. Don't just speak. It's interesting. We're going to hold you in this little, tiny little box. And now and, uh, every... Voice this ridiculous character. Yes. And now every single movie is like, all right, we need A-list actors. Oh, who's free? Uh, You know... The Rock. Let's put... Let's put yeah, The Rock. Let's put him in everything. Terrible. Or even, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Pixar's Onward, one of their more recent films from yeah. 2020, is like... You got to have Chris Pratt and Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Yeah. Like, those are two of the biggest names right now because of the other stuff they're doing. And they, you put them in the movie now. And it, it just, it's crazy to think that it all started with Toy Story. And how good it was when it could have gone so horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Not having trained voice artists come in and do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also helped because the script's great. Uh, to me, anyway. Like, I... 
I think a lot of the little jokes are, you know, it's a lot of the Disney stuff, right? Where you you make a kids movie and they're they're kid jokes, but you just get those little innuendos and those little nods that the adults get to chuckle at. And I think this movie did it so well without crossing any lines. Oh, agreed. They had little subtle remarks that flew over my head as a kid. But watching it now, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I see what you're doing there. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, so the script was really, really well in that aspect. And one aspect was it not good in. I, I see the way you're, like, you're wanting to say something. Go ahead. Once again, just the portrayal of Woody. I mean, I get, well, I mean, I get where he's coming from, where he's going. But I had a major problem with the fact that he basically like, doesn't learn really anything he's only really doing a lot of what he does just for him i that's i mean i don't disagree but at the same time he clearly learns because by the end he's accepting i mean that's that's, that's he's gross. accepting and he's helping buzz but at the end of the day i think he would have gone back without him well i, I <laughs> sure I pretty, pretty darn quick yeah like, maybe maybe um what really worked for me, and I know we're only talking about the first Toy Story, but I like that they left it a little open at the end, where you can tell, like, he's accepted Buzz, but he still wants to be Andy's favorite, because that's what plays into the three other movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, you get to watch him, his story didn't finish in Toy Story. His story, his Toy Story, kept <laughs> going through more movies. I don't know if Pixar, like, had that idea when they wrote this script, like, hey, we're gonna end it here. So that we can build. But it kind of worked that that's how they ended. Yeah. Um, interesting that you don't like him, though, because, fun fact for all the listeners, this was not the first run of Toy Story. In fact, they animated a, a little quick animation of Toy Story originally, and they went and showed it to the heads at Pixar and everything, and Disney, and it wasn't going to get greenlit. They were like, no, don't make this. This is terrible. And their biggest complaint was, Woody's a jerk. He He's a sarcastic jerk. In the first draft, Woody was a sarcastic jerk that was super unlikable. And they literally said no. They were like, nah, don't make this. Scrap it. And the funny thing is, and this could be why he continues to be in all the movies, John Ratzenberger actually went up to the head of Disney at the time and said, why don't you like this? And he said, Woody sucks. And he's like, cool, uh, we're going to rewrite this. And he actually helped, like, keep that communication line open so that Pixar could rewrite it, make Woody more likable, and then now we know what happened. And yet I still disliked <laughs> him and thought he was a massive jerk. He, <laughs> he is, but I can only imagine <laughs> Even how much as a worse. kid, I knew he was a jerk, and I just did not care for that character uh, at all. <laughs> so, but the story, like, you know, let's talk about the story in terms of the script, right? Yeah. So, it's, it's not... It's not a crazy story. It's not some out there story where you're like, oh man, I've never seen this before. It's just a guy who's a little insecure about the new guy and shenanigans happen. Mm-hmm. But I think it works well because of the fact that they're toys, they really got to push the envelope of things that could happen and they really just ran with it. They, they threw everything at the board and it worked. For, you know, like, it's, oh, it's yeah. a really good buddy story of, of acceptance and growing to appreciate other people. Yeah, they got to really do some ridiculous things because they were toys and because you could 
you know, have them smashed with a giant set of tools and they're okay. You can you have know? them torn apart and put back together and just, it doesn't matter. I mean, sorry, but you can't rip off a person's arm, sew it back on and have the audience go, that's cool. Yeah, you can't have a guy fall, you know, a hundred stories and have his arm pop off and just be like, well, I guess I can't fly. <laughs> I mean, you could. I don't know how well it would go over. But... I mean, you'd probably be dead. So, so but, you know, <laughs> just with the story, it's just really good. Like, one of my favorite things about Toy Story, watching it when I was a kid and even watching it again, um, we actually just watched the movie today so that we'd be real fresh going in. Uh, we watched it way early this morning. And one of my favorite things is that this story doesn't have any, like, prelude it just goes right into it it's like okay these toys they're alive they do stuff wait what it's andy's birthday oh man there's another toy here we go and they hit the ground running where i feel like modern animated films have this whole like 25 30 you know the first quarter to third of your movie is all just set up and nothing's happening oh yeah it's all this one goes right into it day kind of thing in movies and you got that in a a five minute span of that first meeting with uh woody and the toys where you got his status amongst the toys and you got the fact that he was the leader he was his favorite that that status quo and now here's the birthday to mess it all up (laughs) exactly uh before we continue fun fact about andy's birthday if you pay close enough attention during that scene when the army soldiers are looking at all the kids and the mom walks in and says, who wants cake? Let's go. Or who wants to open presents? Let's go. Mm-hmm. And they all head into the other room. If you look close enough, every single child at that party is Andy. <laughs> the computers, they didn't have the time nor the capability to create multiple different character designs. So every single character, every single kid in that scene is Andy with a different skin tone and different clothing. Every single model is exactly the same. You're so full of fun facts today. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to spice up life, you know, keep things interesting. Um, I just think that's, that's a, what a workaround. It's such a split second scene that watching it, especially in 1995, you just don't notice. I mean, to be fair, I still don't notice. <laughs> yeah, you still don't notice until you pause it in high resolution and all that stuff. But it's just like, that's smart. Yeah. Just smart. Um, but back to, back to the story. So... They get in, and the way Buzz is introduced of, like, no, I'm a real space ranger. I'm not a toy. And that's when you get that infamous line of, you are a toy! It's great. And it immediately tells you who he is and who Woody is and where they're at that the story can happen quickly. It also gives Buzz his own story to go through. He's not just the antagonist for Woody. He has to learn and kind of come to grips with the fact that he is a toy. Mm-hmm. And and that is a massive plot point for him that he has to overcome later on in the film. Exactly. Like, it, the story for me in, in Toy Story is so good because they're juggling a lot of things at once, but they never really drop anything. It, it, it all plays with each other to finally come to mm-hmm. a resolution. I mean, even the whole little plot point of Rex trying to become more threatening. Yeah. It's stated at the beginning. We hit it a few points throughout the middle. And then even at the end during Christmas, he's like, I hope it's a leaf eater dinosaur. So I can be the dominant one. Like it's, it's his whole arc yeah. throughout the whole the, thing. The small details in this film are it, 
absolutely a- another little thing is like the Mr. Potato Head at Andy's party. Mrs. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head. He's he's hoping for one. And then at the end at Christmas, there's a Mrs. Potato Head. So everything kind of comes full circle, which is the idea of a good story, of good storytelling. Because if you look at something, I'm going I'm to throw some shade at another beloved animated film. But if you look at something like Frozen, mm-hmm. what's, your, what's your stories there? You get one. Elsa's yeah. run off and she's got ice powers. And uh, I guess you get two. Yeah. She's got ice powers. They're trying to rescue her. And Hans is a, a dick. <laughs> Like, but that's it. Like, it. Yeah, it's two massive. Anna doesn't have there. her own story. She does. It's finding love. No, it's but it's not that. There's no focus on that. In fact, her whole thing is focused just on Elsa. If anything, Kristoff's story is trying to hook up with Anna, Anna. <laughs> you know, but like, there's no layers to those to some modern movies. You know, um, throw shade out there again. We just watched Turning Red. You know, it's one of. Pixar's newer films on Disney Plus. Um, can't get to it because it's still too new, so we'll never talk about it. But, <laughs> you know, maybe in 10 years we'll talk about yeah. it. But right now, like, watching Turning Red again, it's a singular focus story. It's her story. The friends don't have stories of them their own. Yeah. The mom doesn't have a story of her own. There's little bits and pieces, but there's not a story there. But here, Buzz has a story. Woody has a story. Sid has a story. Andy has a story. All his friends have their own little mini stories within this larger story. And that's why the storytelling in this movie is just amazing for me. Yeah, it could have been so easy just to lose a plot point here or there. Just have something be a throwaway line that doesn't really matter at all. Oh, but you could tell they put care and love into it. They, yeah. they didn't want to drop the ball. They knew this was going to be game-changing, so they put everything they had into it. Yeah. Um. So, very cool, very cool. Uh, this movie's got flaws, though. It's It's got flaws. Let's talk about a huge one. Everybody's talked about it since basically the movie came out. Why does Buzz act like a toy if he doesn't think he's a toy? I don't. I mean, there's theories out there. Yeah, that's all. It's all speculation at this point because there really are no answers, and that does happen a lot in this movie of like little things here and there of why does that happen when th- this has been established, but that also happens, and it just it it does happen quite often. Yeah. In the the film, it's a lot of little little things that they kind of just dangle and leave like. These toys get... Sid's toys. Sid's the bad guy in this. The next-door neighbor kid who likes torturing toys, taking them apart, putting them together. How do these toys still function? He's he's ripping two toys all, uh, apart and putting different things on whatever, and somehow they still work, or he rips them in half, and somehow, somehow they're still moving. Like, what is the... How do toys function, basically? Because... If the movie they're like never people, tells you. when you get ripped apart, you can't keep going. Yeah, the movie never tells you. It's, no. It's magic. It's, it's, it's literally just magic that works only when people aren't around until it's convenient, and then it can work when people are around. Yeah, because we have that instance where the mom steps on the army guy, and then he's actually injured, but then, you know, we have Other these... people are moving and doing whatever, yeah, he's broken have... apart the hooker. The, the you know hooker. how does it, it's a it's a, a fishing reel with with legs how does it move how does I mean, it do they, any how does it think they have this problem in the fourth movie too where it the spork right? yeah yeah but at least it's got the like a mouth spork. eyes it's got everything um but how does it's, it's a fork that's why its name's forky it, I, I, 
<laughs> See how much I paid attention to that uh, movie. But it, beyond that, it's it's like Andy what? walks into the room and they all just collapse to the ground. Yeah, like it's it's innate in them to just not move when Andy's around. But then they're in the pizza planet and they're climbing through the alien claw machine. I mean, kids, there's people everywhere, but they're running through. Like, what's the rules here? The movie never establishes the rules. Never. So why does Buzz act like a toy if he doesn't know he's a toy? I have no answers for you. So as good as the storytelling is, that's a major flaw. There are so many times in this movie where things just happen and you just have to kind of go with it. And that's not fully acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which wouldn't happen today. Like, people would be rioting in in the streets about how this doesn't make sense. I mean, people still talk about Toy Story to this day about how it doesn't make sense and they want answers and all this stuff. So, you know, that aspect of it I don't think holds up very well. Um, One of the things that works and doesn't work for me, and you'll have to tell me what what you think, is Sid. Sid is a great bad guy. What's the most terrifying thing to a toy? A kid who blows up toys. Like, that's terrifying as a toy to be like, never go to his house, you will die. I mean, you won't die because you can still move. You can do whatever you want even after he blows you up. But I mean, if he blows you up, you're, you're gone forever. Terrifying. Well, I don't know. There was an army man half eaten or whatever coming out of the mud at the end. So who knows? But so he's great. What bothers me about him, though, where the hell are his parents. This kid ordered a rocket. How he ordered a rocket, I don't know, because online shopping didn't really exist in 1995, so he couldn't just jump on the computer and go to Amazon and order something. So how did this kid order a rocket without his parents knowing? And if they did help him order the rocket, those are terrible parents. This oh, is no a 10-year-old kid with a rocket. Well, I mean, we see one parent throughout the, the film for him, and I believe that's his father, and we are to assume that he is well, drunk. He's drunk, yeah. But he screams for mom. So mom, mom, where are the matches? Mom does exist, but maybe if she's just appeasing him. He's a demon I mean, just, child at this but, point. But like in today, that would never fly. Oh, no. Ever. Showing, a, showing a kid having a rocket or something dangerous like that would just would not happen. Or just being so maniacal would just never happen. Like you, you don't see that kind of demon child so anymore. It, yeah. So as great as he is, overall, it's just... What was happening? Yeah, he, he's rather problematic with how sadistic they make him out to be. Like, you can make that character and make him just a little less sadistic crazy. and crazy, and it would still play the same, but you had to, like, really go all out for that character, and it just, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Absolutely. Um, okay, so before we continue breaking down the movie a little bit, more fun facts. <laughs> fun facts. Fun fact Friday. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> So, obviously, you all know this was the first ever CGI animated film. I mentioned that back at the beginning. But something you may or may not know is how many people made this movie. So, the original crew was only 24 people. Directors and animators. 24. By the time it really ramped up, it got to 110 people. Sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot. 110. For reference point, and I know this wasn't a computer animated film, but The Lion King had 800 artists 
working on it. And I get it, you're drawn by hand, there's a lot more to it. But you're still drawn on the computer, there's still a lot of work. Yeah. So for this movie to be made with only 110 people, when your average CGI film now, your computer-generated animated film nowadays, is in the hundreds of people, to only have 110, it's amazing this movie even got made. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't take 10 years to make. Oh, it did. I mean, they started working on it, like, I mean, it wasn't 10 years, but it was like three <laughs> years of them really working on it before they could fine-tune everything and get it done. Um, and then this movie came out in November 20, on November 22nd, 1995. Do you know what the highest grossing movie of 1995 was? Does it look like I know? <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, gotta play to the, gotta play to the crowd here. Um, it's Toy Story. Um, so it's a little convoluted, but in 1995, the highest animated film was actually Batman Forever with 184 million domestic, but Toy Story came out in late November and played through early 1996. So if you account for all the money it made in 1995 and 1996, it becomes the highest grossing movie released in 1995 with 196 million domestic i think that's cheating no it's cheating it's when it got released yeah but that money wasn't made in that year but the movie was made in that year it was released in that year Eh. so that's just that's just (laughs) a crazy fact of like that's a batman movie yeah that it beat out for the highest grossing film released in 1995 this is an untested idea that they threw into theaters I think it only made like $11 million its opening weekend, which today's standards is not a lot. Back then, it was it was a pretty good opening. But, you know, it might have just been more curiosity. And mm-hmm. then it just went and went and went. And one of my favorite sayings is, this movie had legs, and it just never stopped playing, and people just kept going to see it. And all of a sudden, it almost reaches $200 million domestic. Adjusted for inflation, that's a $500 million take here in 2022. On a no-name Domestic, movie. on a no-name movie, no IP, computer-generated thing that, you know, people were like, oh, we just saw Lion King. That was pretty brilliant, we, but that's 2D. I don't want to see this 3D thing. That's super weird. And then it just, it crushes things. Just, it, it's amazing. Um, but, back to the actual movie. One thing that bothers me the most about Toy Story, the toys themselves look pretty good. Yeah. does it hold up to today's standards? It's not quite there, but it's good. It's better than some CGI I've seen in movies in today. Oh, yeah. With the level of detail that they get on mostly their main toys. But everything else in the movie is garbage. Oh, absolutely. The house looks like crap. The dog looks like crap. When you go see Toy Story 4, yeah, when you go see Toy Story 4 and it looks like a real cat, yeah, and then you watch this dog and you're like, how did I ever think that was real? Back in 1995. Oh, yeah. What was my dumb little, little nine-year-old eyes brain? That... Yeah, it just didn't work. But everything about it, outside of the toys, didn't work. The hallways didn't work. The, the cars didn't work. The pizza, the crane games, the kids, yeah. the everything just... It's all off-putting. Mm-hmm. Except the toys, they're the only thing for me out of the CGI that really hold up well. Mostly because they didn't have to be made as if they were super realistic because they're toys. They can look a little fake and it's okay. Whereas you go to have people and dogs, things that have life naturally, 
and it just you, you don't see it, it they just don't wasn't move there. right there's no yeah. actual texture to any of them it's okay to, for toys to not have texture their hair is just but they painted had on texture their faces had texture no, there was lines there was detail there was a sheen that plasticky sheen to them oh yeah but you but then the people you still had that sheen really any of the 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 fabric had a little bit on the toys but they just didn't put that kind of effort into the the humans and the world around no them. and it was a little disappointing though because i'm watching the movie and i'm like man these toys are really cool everything looks good that's a badass looking mr potato head what what is this what is this andy creature coming in here why does he why? also look like a, a demon child he's alien this this is this is unnerving yeah that's that part of the cgi just really does not hold up to me and it and it takes me out of the experience whenever I have to deal with any of the actual, like, humans in the story. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's so bad. <laughs> so bad. Like I said, um, that dog, nightmare fuel. Oh, my. That, that... So much nightmare fuel. Like, I'm pretty sure that dog is the sole reason why most people didn't have dogs while I was growing up. <laughs> Could definitely be. It was like, the kid was like, Mom, I want a dog. And they sat down and watched Toy Story. And the kid was like, never mind. Yeah, no. I'm cry- crying. Just no. Tears. <laughs> I don't want a dog now. Like, that dog, it was terrifying. Oh, yeah. Some of the dolls were terrifying, too. Um, but so, I will say, the level of detail that they did put on, like, Buzz and Woody, where you saw little nicks in their, like, fingers, you saw them get a little dirty. Mm-hmm. It, it That was really well done. I just wish they had taken the time to really put that love and care into the rest of right, the like, world. If this movie would have came out in 1997 and they would have like waited and really built up the animation and really worked on all aspects of it, maybe it's a little bit better. Yeah, because I would have almost liked to rather see this movie do that classic hand-drawn look because it would have been much more crisp than it was. So maybe like mixing it, but we also know but mixing know it doesn't, doesn't work, work really either, well so. either. So. <laughs> who knows? Uh, who knows? It just, it was bothersome for me. One of the things that wasn't bothersome for me though was the theme. And I, I haven't seen another movie really, especially any animated films um, around that time or even up until, you know, more recently that really got to the heart of acceptance and and replacement like woody's whole arc of like scared of being replaced by the person you thought loved you most that's a universal thing that everybody can connect to and that's the that's the core of this movie for me that's why i think people remember this movie is that struggle of being replaced feeling unloved finding out that the person you've spent your entire life with wants to be with someone else now. Like, I know we're talking about toys here, but you can put that into your own life. You've probably been there at some point. And that's that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, this really began that whole idea of these animated features having a lot more serious uh, concepts and themes and aspects that really showed kids how to deal with certain emotions showed them like these complex situations in the light and in the way that a kid could understand and process well yeah because i mean like watching lion king i was like well i'm not a prince gonna take over an entire thing and i didn't kill my dad so it's really hard to mean my uncle didn't kill my dad yeah well i mean he thinks he killed his dad 
So it's really hard to connect to that. I'm not a French girl in a castle with a beast. And I get like there's certain themes there because I'm not a toy either. But the theme was falling in love with someone from Beauty and the Beast was like, for me, falling in love with somebody that you, you're looking past their, their, their visuals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he imprisoned you in a castle. Yeah, that, that screams Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. Like, they definitely tried to show that she actually got to know him and all that. But, like, there was no connection for me there. Same thing with Lion King. Same thing with Aladdin. Like, I get what they were going for, but there wasn't connection. Then all of a sudden, I'm watching this and I'm connecting. Hey, why? Even as a kid, it's like, you had a best friend and now he's friends with somebody else. Or she's friends with somebody else. How do we deal with that? That's such a nice... Thing for even kids and or adults to really get behind and find themselves in and that resonates with an audience that's what makes people want to watch it again or want to love it well i think that that has been kind of his his uh, overarching arc was learning you know what's best for this person that i love is not always going to be what's best for me and that really comes home in the later films especially like the fourth film where he has to learn that forky is what's important and that's all that's going to be important so if you love this person you're going to do what's good for them even if it's not always what is what you think is best for you and that's just emotionally that's deep it's deep and it's it's emotionally devastating because we don't want to look at things like that we want to look at things as like i will always be around i am the best and this movie was like that's not possible at times like you didn't do anything wrong woody you just happen to be old hat. There's a new person in town. There's a new toy. It's, I'm sorry, you didn't do anything, but you're getting replaced anyway. And that's so visceral and so emotional. And that's kind of what I think brings people back to this movie. Back to this franchise. Back to this franchise because they kept that theme going. And, I mean, watching it again at, at 30, almost 36 years old... It's like, I still feel that. I watched it as a 10-year-old, felt it. I watched it as a 36-year-old, and I still feel that that disconnect of wanting something you can't have. Yeah. So. I just, I it like I said, it did cover such deep feelings and thoughts in such a way that, you know, it, it's heavy. But they still were able to lighten it up enough to be a kid's movie, to be like, okay, well, here's how we're going to get through this. Yep. And coming for full circle, I think that's really on the writers with the, with the script of like having those lighthearted moments with drama. And they never really undercut their drama. There's a lot of movies that like, oh, we're getting serious. We're getting dramatic. Oh, undercut it with a joke. Marvel movies are the worst with that. Oof, and we're creepy. not going to go into that, but... It's drama, drama, undercutting. Here, it was like, during the emotional states, let it be emotional. Yeah. And then we can build back into the comedy. Yeah, it let us sit with those moments. Especially with Woody's realization uh, when he's stuck under the crate. Before Buzz decides to help him out, he's just, he's resigned himself. Like, of just let it go. And it's just this sad moment. Sad moment. And then Buzz is like, no, nah, it's cool. I'm going to help you out. Yeah. But even that's not comedy. It's not that's a comedy. them working together. Yeah. It's, it's a build moment. And that's what I think works so well in this movie. And I think it's one of the aspects that does hold up for me is 
it's it's timeless. The story is timeless. Um, the last thing from the movie that I really wanted to touch up touch upon before we start really talking about what does it hold up or not overall is how are you gonna do Sid dirty like that? You scarred that kid for life, and I get it. In later movies, in Toy Story three, he's all like, he's the garbage man, or people think he's toys. the garbage man who. But we don't know that. The movie doesn't tell us that. We're just assuming he's a garbage man and that he saves toys that have been oh. thrown out. Yeah. We're le- led to assume that based on the shirt on the garbage man. No, no, no. I get that it's Sid, but we're putting our own connotation on it. Of oh, like, yeah. oh, he saves toys. We don't know that. For all we know, he's still destroying toys. Who knows? But, man, they scarred that kid for life. Oh, that he was such a He thinks he's just having a good film. time, and all of a sudden, these toys are coming up out of the ground and attacking him, and Woody's doing the Exorcist 360 head, and just really, it's not even just the talking. Woody's mouth is moving. His eyes are moving. He's moving. That's terrifying to a kid. I mean, he runs away from his little sister's doll after that. Oh, yeah. How are you going to do that? Yeah, that kid will never play with toys again. <laughs> Ever. Like, Which could also make him way worse if he was a real psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> it could. It could make him way worse. Maybe he's a garbage man because he's secretly building some evil con- contraption. Who knows? Yeah. But it's terrifying. Yeah, that was quite, like, almost a little bit of a horror scene in a kid's movie. Uh, just how graphic and, like, just creepy all of it was. And it was meant to do that. Just to get this kid to stop, but, like... But I think it went too far. It did. And it also breaks the illusion of when can these toys decide to move or not move? Again, what is the answer there? Because you're not supposed to move when people are around, but now they can just choose to move. Which makes Buzz's thing completely worse. Yeah, completely worse. But one of the problems with that is... As good as the script is, as good as the screenplay is... There had to be a different way to get Sid to stop. Yeah. I think scarring the kid was a little too far. Watching it as a kid, obviously you get scarred because you're the kid. But watching it as an adult, it's unnerving and it feels wrong. It feels like you guys went too far. There was no reason you had to... Basically, this kid's going to be in therapy for the rest of his life. Yeah. Because of what happens on this afternoon. My problem is, is I wouldn't know what to do instead of that. Like, how do you get it into this kid's head? Because clearly he's been doing this for a while. But the, but the kid getting into his head doesn't matter. To me, doesn't matter. He doesn't know toys are alive. So he's not doing anything wrong. So you scarred this kid because he doesn't know any better? He doesn't know. He doesn't know toys can talk and have feelings and all this stuff. He thinks they're just toys, like we all just think they're toys. So instead of like calmly talking to him or something, you're like, no, we're gonna pull something straight out of a Stanley Kubrick horror film <laughs> and attack you with all these toys, and you're gonna lose your mind. Oh yeah, it's too much. I I didn't like it as an ending. Yeah, I just didn't like it. I mean, the only thought you could do is maybe they made it so graphic just so the kid could rationalize and be like, well, maybe I was dreaming. Mm, Maybe, but who dreams in the middle of the day standing in their backyard? Who knows? Who knows? Um, So it's just, it's a little too far. And then we go into the actual end of the movie with the RC car and everything. And once again, playing fast and loose with rules because all the toys can talk and move and do whatever they want, but the RC car still needs its controller. 
doesn't really make sense. What constitutes a full living toy and a half living toy? Why yeah. can some toys do everything and some toys can't do crap? And then some toys can't talk, but the binoculars can talk? They don't even have a mouth. Yeah. No idea. So there's a lot of little things like that. As much as they have great little details, they have terrible little details as well. But Woody and Buzz get on RC and chase scene and all that stuff. And they take off in a rocket and it, it explodes and they boom. Falling with style. Falling with style right into the car. And nobody notices. Nope. The, the, the people in this movie are oblivious to all of their surroundings. And maybe people were in 1995. I don't really remember. But, <laughs> man, it's just nothing. Nothing is seen, ever. And it's just crazy. It must go by the Harry Potter rules of uh, muggles. They just don't see what they yeah, don't want to see, just, you know? Just muggles. So, you know, <laughs> and then everything just ends on a happy note. Um, I wish for there was a little more gravitas to what happened to the toys. I wish... The, something would have actually happened to one of them. I know Woody gets a little burned on the forehead. Which is gone by the next movie. Which is gone later in the same movie. Um, so I just wish there was something more to really hammer home the, the perils that they had been through. But what are you going to do? I didn't write it. Yeah, and I guess that's their uh, making up for the fact that they scarred Sid. Yeah. Is that they didn't scar everyone else by having a toy just die. Correct. So, putting my all of my knowledge of film together by my four years of study at a film school, Columbia College here in Chicago, good school, had a good time there, have a degree in film, in case you guys were ever wondering, well, what does he have the right to talk about films for? That's it. That That's the thing. I have a degree in film. I've worked on film sets. I currently work on film sets in between podcasting. Um, but using all of that knowledge, this movie doesn't hold up for me. I have to agree. It does not hold up, and not just because I don't like the movie. It doesn't have anything to do with me not liking the movie. I think parts of this movie are amazing and some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Parts of it, I think, are pretty bad. And overall, it's not just because the CGI, obviously technology got better and all that, but I think watching this movie in 2022... You show that to a kid nowadays, they're turning it off. It, it does not hold up. Yeah, if it came out as the standalone film it ha was back in the day, it would be overlooked. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be sadly overlooked because, like you said, the story, everything is, is spectacular. I just don't think this movie would have gotten the following it has today if it came out today as, as it is. I, I think... You'll see this when we get to talk about some other movies, but I, gimmick movies. Gimmick movies I don't think hold up for the most part, and this was a gimmick movie. Being the first fully computer-drawn film, that was its gimmick. Come see what's interesting about this. And I think uh, that coming out today just gets lost in a sea of a bunch of other things. So, I mean, watching this movie today, there's there's... A lot to re redeeming about it, a lot not redeeming, but mostly you'll get bored and want to turn it off. I think the nostalgia part of you will love it more than the logical side of you will love it. Oh, 100%. So, sorry guys, don't mean to break your heart, but Toy Story, the original from 1995, just does not hold up. It, yeah. So, alright, 
Well, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, keep watching movies. Bye.